church here every day. Oh, he's been so good. He's been better than good. He's been better than good. He's more than good. We serve an awesome God, a holy God, a righteous God, a faithful God, an on-time God. And if he's been good to you, open your mouth and lift your hands and tell him of his goodness. Tell him of his greatness. Tell him of his mercy. Tell him of his love. He's been so good. So good. So good. We serve an on-time God, a mighty God, a selfless God, a God who's more than enough. There's not a need we have that he cannot fulfill. He's a good God. You know, I, I was listening to the words to that song. It says, I owe you my life. Just let that hit you for a minute. I owe you my life. And there's not a cross I can climb on. There's not a bullet I can take. There's not a noose that's fat enough to pay God back for what he has done for me. Absolutely nothing. So all I can do and repayment to a God that gave it all to me is give it all to him. I give him my all. All that I am, I give back to God. I climb into his arms because he loves me. He loves you. He's merciful and he's kind. We serve a good God. A really good God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, as you all are being seated, tell of God's goodness to somebody that's near you. Just let them know with a hug, a kind word, what he's done in your life, whatever works for you. Praise God. Praise God. You know what I realize about this 11 o'clock crowd? Y'all are a rowdy bunch, and I like it. I mean, y'all were just ushering in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You all were on fire. Sounds like somebody came to get something today. Anybody come to get something? There's a need that you have. Well, you are in the right place, and I promise you, we serve a good God. Amen? Well, my name is Joe Vivian. I'm one of the ministers on staff here at Linked Up Church. I am not Pastor Gregory. That's obvious. He be man. And I am not Pastor Trish. They are out of our pulpit today, but still ministering the word of God elsewhere. And we thank God for their gift and God's ability to use it, not just with us, but around this nation. It truly is a blessing to have pastors whose hearts are not just to shepherd those that God has given to them, but to bring a good word to those who may not otherwise hear it. So I'm very grateful for that. I encourage you, if you are a first-time visitor, to please come back and partake of the anointing that rests on our pastors. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Amen? Amen. All right, well, we're going to dive right in um, to the message. Um, I'm full. This is my second go-round. I did praise and worship earlier today and then did it again, and I've ministered, and I've just been under that anointing, and I want you all to know I am absolutely full, but I just want to take a moment and pause and thank the praise team and the band for what they do. Guys, they serve in excellence. They serve in excellence, meaning they let go 
and allow God to use their gifts and talents to his glory, honor, and praise. And I'm very grateful for that. So the title of my message, pretty simple today, it's Grace, Not Perfection. I'll say that again. Grace, Not Perfection. I got that title from a phrase that I heard several years ago. And when I heard the phrase, it just literally rocked my world. I mean, I was in my Wonder Woman years. You know, y'all know who Wonder Woman is, right? So I was in my Wonder Woman years trying to do everything, be everything, go everywhere, serve everywhere, be the best mother, the best wife, best friend, best employee that I could be, plus keep the house immaculately. I mean, I could not go to bed without my kitchen being clean, even after doing everything I had done that day. I would not go to bed, literally, would not take off my tiara, my little gold cuffs, And my lasso of truth, (laughs) I don't know if y'all heard that, my lasso of truth until things were a certain way. How many of you know I was exhausted? Because ultimately I was doing that in whose strength? In my strength. And then I heard this little phrase. It hit me between my eyeballs. It says, I will hold myself to a standard of grace, not perfection. I wanted that to be my title, but they told me that was too long. So grace, not perfection. Now, there's a difference between grace and perfection. Perfection will have you running and doing way more than you ever intended to. It will cause you to be stressed, tired. It will even cause you to be lonely. Why? Perfection is a myth. It doesn't exist. There is only one perfect entity in this world as we know it, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus came and he lived a perfect life before us. Everybody can attest to that, that he lived perfectly and without what? Sin. Here's where we go wrong. A lot of us think he did that as an example of how we should live, that we should be perfect. Pump your brakes. He did that as a demonstration of how life would be if we did it with him. In and of ourselves, we can do nothing. It's smoke screens and mirrors, folks. But in Christ, we literally can do all things. Our issue is, is that we are in these bodies. They've not been redeemed. Newsflash, our spirit man is new. He's a new creation. Any and everything that we are ever going to get from God has been placed in our spirit already. He's that generous. We know we're supposed to renew what? Our minds with the word of God. We're supposed to remove them, renew them daily. But God talks about the redemption of our bodies at the second return of Christ. So our bodies have never been redeemed, and therefore our bodies want to do what our bodies want to do. Can't anybody relate to that? I mean, seriously, let's get real in here. There are those of us, we know we need to exercise. We know we need to exercise. And don't get it twisted. Skinny people don't want to exercise either. So don't be judging me while y'all sitting out there. And the bed is calling your name and the treadmill is saying, don't come near me. And you oblige. There are times when you know your budget said, you cannot afford that, don't buy that, but that dress is on sale. It is so cute, and I'm going to be cute in it. (laughs) 
and you go and spend money that you should have never spent, with, which was earmarked for something else because your flesh said, I want it. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? All right. So go with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I will hold myself to a standard of grace, not perfection. So this is Paul talking. um, And he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I'm going to read it to you in one more translation, the message. I like the message. It gets down and dirty with you. It says, my counsel is this, live freely. I love that. Live freely, not in bondage, bound to things that you have no issue being bound and entwined with, but live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions. Here you go of selfishness. I like this scripture for several reasons, but, but I find that a lot of times people look at it and we kind of get deep and spooky with it. So when we say walk in the spirit, people are like, oh, I don't know if I can walk in the spirit. That's something that ministers do and I'm not a minister. Well, we're all ministers of reconciliation, so that nullifies that. Walk in the spirit just basically means that you're putting on the Lord Jesus. You're putting on the way he thinks. We do have the mind of Christ. You're putting on his character. You're putting on his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness, his joy, his love. And you're living your life in a manner that God would live it. That's all that means. It doesn't mean that there's some out-of-body experience when it happens. And it says you shall not fulfill the lust. Well, let's just stop on lust for a minute. Now, y'all know what you were thinking. All of y'all were thinking something nasty. And that's what we do when we hear the word lust. We automatically go somewhere that the scripture isn't necessarily talking about. You know, to lust after is to want, to crave, to desire. It doesn't always have to be something that's bad. How many of you have craved something good like a donut or a cupcake or a cup of coffee? Yeah. Those things in and of themselves aren't good or bad. But we tend to think of lusting after something, something that usually falls into five, you know, the ten, big ten sin category, as I call it. But that's not necessarily what the scripture is talking about. Just kind of want to open up your mind a little bit to that. The last thing it says is that you, um, that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The word flesh there is human nature without God. Human nature without God. We talked just a little bit about the body or the flesh and what it does. And how often do we find ourselves somewhere we shouldn't be doing something we shouldn't do? And we feel like God is nowhere around. That we made a decision, a choice, a thought, an idea, took a direction, a job, a relationship that doesn't resemble and or sound like anything that God would say or do. That's our flesh. Our flesh without God. But the good news is all we need to do is walk in the spirit and we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So what are we talking about? Perfection versus grace. Did I say it already that perfection is a myth? It's a myth. And yet 
we still chase after it day in, day out. How many perfectionists do we have in here? Well, you know every T has to be crossed, every I has to be dotted. You can't go to bed without your kitchen clean. After you clean the toilet, you can put one of them sanitary strips across it so nobody can get in it. When you go to work, everything is laid out perfectly. Before your boss gets there, you've got so much done. You look good and you feel good about yourself chasing perfection, not grace. And then how many of you in here recognize you may not be a perfectionist, but there's some things that you do in life where you try to be perfect at. Anybody in here like that? Praise God. You know, you want the best body, you stay in the gym forever. Working for perfection. You feel like if you don't do everything the boss asks you, exactly how he asks you, when he asks you, and even ahead of when he asks you, trying to be perfect, that you won't get the next promotion. Some of you have rebaked a cake so many times trying to get the icing. Just do a little. And most of us in here will rather have a cake that's a little lumpy because for us that means it's homemade. Yeah? So let's look at a definition of perfect. Perfect as an adjective is having all the required or desirable elements, qualities, or characteristics. It's as good as it is possible to be. As a verb, perfect means make something completely free of faults or defects or as close to such a condition as possible. Perfection is a state of completeness and flawlessness, and it doesn't exist. There's not a perfect car, not a perfect house, not a perfect child, not a perfect spouse, not a perfect job, not a perfect outfit, not a perfect attitude. There is only one perfect entity in this entire universe, and that is Jesus. And yet we live our lives chasing for something that doesn't even exist. Grace, on the other hand, we all know it. It's God's unmerited favor, us getting something that we didn't earn, something good that we didn't earn. Don't have to work for it. Don't have to fry chicken for it. Don't have to cut the lawn for it. Don't have to sing for it. All we need to do is receive it. So let's look at some contrast between perfection and grace. Perfection is centered on self. And anytime you are centered on self, there is an element of pride can't get away from it. And we all know that pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Grace, on the other hand, is centered on God and his completed work on the cross and all that he has ever done for us. And in that element of grace, all we need to do is be humble enough to recognize I'm not perfect. God, I need you. And God is faithful to do whatever you need. Perfection requires effort to be made in your own strength. It's all about what you can do. Grace, on the other hand, lets you trust in God's ability to move your life forward, allowing God and only God to put you over the top in whatever area you're believing him for. Perfection requires one to focus on what's wrong, defective, and undesirable. That's what perfection does. Because, see, you can't get something perfect until you know what's wrong. What's not working right? What's defective? 
And so you're constantly living a lifestyle, thinking you're moving forward while constantly looking at what's wrong. How many of you know there is no forward in what's wrong? Amen? But grace, on the other hand, draws you to the beauty of God's love, his goodness, his mercy, and all his free gifts that were sewn up for us on the cross. Perfection, hmm, it does not equate to righteousness. I'll say that again. Perfection does not equate to righteousness. I think we know it here, but sometimes here we still miss that. And I love my dream team. Please, nobody take offense when I say this. I'm speaking of my own life. I remember when I was serving in four, five auxiliaries, and I am not exaggerating. Five of them. And although I knew that I was saved by grace, that I was saved because God died for me, somewhere subconsciously, I genuinely believed there was some bully, uh, bonus points. Five Five? Don't y'all think I had some bonus points? <laughs> Am I the only one who thought I had some bonus points? <laughs> and whether or not we realize that many of us are serving, we're working, we're giving, all because we think it makes us more righteous. Uh-uh. Grace is very different than that. Grace points to our righteousness in Christ Jesus. Outside of him, we are never righteous. But in him, we are righteous. Because we received the free gift of salvation, God has made us righteous. We are right now at this very moment in right standing with God. I don't care what you did last night. I know some of you are focusing on that. What's wrong? Perfection. But I'm trying to get you to focus on grace. What's right in your life. And because you have grace and God is a God of grace, he's not looking at what you did last night. He's not judging you by that. He's judging you by the blood of Jesus Christ that is covering you. The blood is whole. The blood is complete. The blood heals. The blood sets free. The blood delivers. And if you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then right now, no matter what, you are in right standing with God. Now, I know I've jacked up some of your religiosity. And I intend to do that. Don't think God is going, oh, it's okay that you see it. That's not what he's saying. He said it's not the main thing. He said let the main thing be the main thing. He said the main thing is my grace. He said my grace is sufficient to help you with sin. My grace is sufficient to deliver you from sin. My grace is sufficient to show you that you are bigger than sin. But if the only thing you're thinking about is your sin, how can you ever receive the grace? You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Perfection is a harsh taskmaster. Always finding more to do for the quest for perfection. Because perfection ain't real. So you're trying to catch this elusive thing that doesn't exist. And you keep working at it and working at it and trying and trying. I remember my days of cleaning the bathroom. No matter how hard I cleaned it, there was always something else that could be cleaned. And so then I quarantined everybody. Can you wait two hours before you go in the bathroom? <laughs> Who does that, right? I'm the only one. 
But grace offers a rest and a refreshing where we can cease from our labors. There's that trust that if I'm not doing it, God is covering it. You have that in grace, but you never have that in perfection. And the last one, perfection does not improve your self-worth. It never has. It never will. But grace reminds you of how valuable and how precious you are in the sight of God. So much that he died for you. I mean, think about that. What does the scripture say? Perhaps for a good man. What? Perhaps. That doesn't even mean definitely. I, perhaps. Just let you know. But while we were yet sinners, when we were living a life totally contrary to God and what he would have us to do and what he made us to do, he died for us. And not just some old simple death. He didn't take some pills and lay down and go to sleep. That might have been understandable. But he died a gruesome death. A gruesome death so that you would know just how valuable and precious you are to him. I will hold myself to a standard of grace, not perfection. So there are several things that we can do to help us to hold ourselves to a standard of grace and not perfection. The first one is to keep your eye on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. One of the habits that we have that this flesh likes to do is to look back. We look back all the time. We look back to see who hurt us, who disappointed us, how we were raised. We look back at our own failures, the lack of love we feel we have in our lives. We look back on how well we did in school or didn't do in school. We look back and say, woulda, shoulda, coulda. If this would have happened, then I wouldn't be where I am today. If only my family would have been like whatever, how different my life would have been. Anybody ever found themselves living in that world? If I hadn't gotten sick, if I hadn't gotten hurt, if I hadn't moved. And then the flip side is, I was a great ball player. I went to state. You know I was valedictorian of my class. They voted me most likely to succeed. Here's a news flash for you. You cannot walk backwards into your future. God has a destiny for each and every one of us, a plan for our lives. It's so big, he can't give it to us all in one shot. But step by step by step, he reveals your call, your purpose, how he's going to use you, your destiny, his plan. But quite often we miss the next step because we've got our eyes behind us. And God is calling us to move forward, not just from what's bad, but also to what was seemingly good. We got to treat it all the same. You know, my husband uh, does consulting and training for a living, and I, I always tell him to treat an insult like a compliment. Ain't no different. You find yourself hovering and staying right wherever it is that you were when somebody compliments you or insults you. It's hard to move beyond either one. You have to be really careful. But Paul, Philippians chapter 3, 
There's 13 and 14. Let's take a look at that. He gave us a glimpse of what you do when you have a past. We all have one. He told us how to handle it when your past isn't so beautiful and it's littered with things that other people would try to define you by. It reads, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, recognizing he is not perfect. He says, but one thing, one thing, one thing I do, forgetting to stop, forgetting, no longer remembering, not focusing on, not boasting in, not complaining about, but forgetting those things which are where? Which are where? Behind. And this is what Paul said he does. He says, and reaching, that's moving forward to those things which are ahead. He says, I press, I pursue, I run after, I seek toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I don't have time for my past. I don't have time for that garbage. He says, I know I held the coat of Stephen when they stoned him. I know that. I know I got letters giving me permission to persecute Christians, to throw them in jail. I know that. I know that some of them probably died because of my antics. I know that I know I misused the word of God for my own gain and my own pride and my own righteousness. That was Paul. And if Paul can say, I forget, I forget. I don't remember anymore. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not focusing on it. It will not define me. Then I would say each and every one of us can make the decision to hold ourselves to a standard of grace and not perfection. Give you an example of someone in the Bible who kind of forgot not to look back. You all all know Lot. Genesis 19, verses 17 and 26, you know, Lot was camped outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God, in his mercy and grace, whoo, hmm, he sent two angels to get Lot, his two daughters, and his uh, wife out of the area. Why? Because God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because he couldn't find 10 righteous people there. And so picking up in verse 17, so it came to pass when they, the angels, had brought Lot and his family outside that the angels said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains. Come on up some, y'all. Escape to the mountains to higher ground. Escape to the mountain where the view is the view that God has. He says, escape to the mountains. And this is why. Lest you be destroyed. It was clear, wasn't it? Did anybody get confused about the message? Did everybody hear it? It says, escape for your life. Don't look behind you. Go to the mountains, he said. And then he explained why. Lest you be destroyed. Let me tell you, when God is telling you to do something, he's not trying to keep something from you that's good. 
He's trying to get you in a position to receive what he has that's good. When you tell your child don't play in the street, it's not because you're a mean parent. The child can't understand why they can't get in the street. But you bet your sweet bippy, if your mama said it, then the child usually gets out the street, yeah? You make it clear to them. And yet, as clear as that message was for you and for me, verse 27, 26 says, but his wife looked behind Lot and she became a pillar of salt. Looking behind means to behold, consider, gaze upon, observe, pay attention to, or regard. We don't know why she chose to look back. We don't know if it was good or if it was bad. We don't know if it was something that was binding her or pulling her heart. We don't know if she was just longing for the good old days. We have no clue. But we know that she looked back. And when she looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. And from henceforth, that's where she's stuck. She can't change. She can't move. She can't do anything. She can't go anywhere. And I'm here to say to you, when you look back, when you look back, you're stuck. Who can you help? How can you be a blessing? How can God use you? How can God get to you what he's trying to get to you in the now when you're living back then? It's today, folks. It's today. It's right now. Yesterday, Cancel check. Tomorrow, promissory note. Today is cash money. And I don't know about you, but I'll take cash money any old day. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. The next thing that we need to do to hold ourselves to a standard of grace, not perfection, is to find your worth in Jesus Christ. It does not exist in futile comparisons to other people, and yet we do it. This is what we do. Our performance plus other people's opinion becomes our self-worth. If somebody doesn't recognize you, see you, compliment you, you're feeling some kind of way, and it just shouldn't be like that. Now, don't get me wrong. We do care about what people say and think and feel. You lie to yourself if you don't. We do, and to some degree, we should. I should care if my breath is offensive. Especially to the people on the front row. I just thought I'd point that out. But when it defines who I am, then it becomes problematic. We should never compare ourselves to others because people are not perfect. Take a look over their fence and you'll find out that the grass really isn't greener on the other side. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. It says, and this was Paul, by the way. Let me set this up for you. This is uh, one of his wonderful letters that he wrote to the church of Corinth. And he came on pretty strong in this letter. But it was in regards to people who were literally questioning, was he of Christ? You know, and that can jack some people up, but not Paul. Paul said, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. And then he finishes up and says, how ignorant. (laughs) How ignorant. 
Now we laugh and we jest. But how often are we doing that? How often is it that, oh, my legs aren't big enough because I looked at somebody else's legs? Women, I could do hair, other body parts. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But like I always say, there are cars in the parking lot and men, you do the same. You don't want to pull up next to that car because you don't think your car is worthy. Men do more um, one-upping than women do. But it's the same thing. You're comparing yourself to somebody else, and they've become the standard of your worth, of what you think is important in your life and what directions you think you should take. You begin chasing after, hoping for, craving after things that God would give you in time, and it will become sweatless effort. We were never meant to toil, have sleepless nights, spend no time with your family. Because you're working so hard, chasing after perfection, which is nothing but an illusion. I like how the sister said it over here. She says, it's a myth. It doesn't even exist. Now, verse 17 goes on to say, and this is the difference between perfection and grace. I want you all to say this with me. I will hold myself to the standard of grace, not perfection. So we just looked at. Uh, perfection. What does grace have to say? Now, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is a freedom. There is a letting go. When you allow yourself to be permeated, to put on Jesus Christ by way of the spirit of the living God, there is liberty in that. It goes on to say, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. When you take the time to peer into the word of God, to spend that intimate time with the Lord, to crawl up into his lap and say, daddy, I need you. When you recognize that what you're trying to do, you cannot do in your insufficiency, but you are now talking to the God of all sufficiency. When you behold him and hear his voice and follow his will for your life, you and you and you are being transformed into the image of his glory. God didn't come here to boast and brag upon himself. He came to redeem us. And in that redemption, he desired that we would walk in the fullness of his original plan. And the only way we can walk in that fullness is when we allow him, by his grace, to transform us into what he has called us to be. It is not our strength, but it is his strength. It's not our ways. His ways are higher than ours, and his thoughts are higher than ours. The question is, are you willing to let go of perfection and lay hold of the truth of grace. Be transformed into the image of God. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. The last way is for us to celebrate the small victories. You know, sometimes we, we minimize or, or make light of or altogether ignore the things that we think are small in our lives, things we think are insignificant and aren't worth talking about. We won't talk about our education unless you know, we have a higher degree. We won't talk about our jobs unless we think it's professional. If our children aren't doing great things, we won't brag on our children's accomplishments. 
If you got a problem child who's always going to the, the principal's office, you won't talk about that. You should be rejoicing that he's not going every day. Rejoice in the small things. Won't invite someone to your house because you think it's too small. But you think about how you feel when somebody does something in your life, even a small thing. A thank you note. I appreciate you. A text message. Never look at small things and turn your nose up at them. Think about it. It was a staff in the hand of Moses that parted the Red Sea. It was only five loaves of bread and two fish that fed 5,000 people. Men in particular to include women and children. It was one smooth stone that David used to take out Goliath. And it's a mustard seed that, 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 that Jesus used to say the kingdom of God is like the smallest seed in the world. But when planted in the ground, it grows forth like a tree, so big, so wide, that nest of a bird can be made in it. Celebrate your small things. It reminds you that God is there. And if it's going to be bigger, it will be through him. Let me tell you, small things quite often are the ingredient to big victories. So celebrate the small things. I want to close with this. There is strength in grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10 reminds us that God's grace is sufficient for you. He says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul went on to say, I would rather boast in my infirmities, in my distresses, my persecutions for Christ's sake, so that the power of Christ may come upon me. God's grace truly is sufficient. It will achieve more for you in a nanosecond than you can achieve in a lifetime. There is not a need that you have or want that God cannot fulfill. There is no lack in him. You know, the depth, the height, the width, the length, the love of Christ tells us that he's limitless. And all that he has, he has given to us in our sonship, and our daughtership. I will hold myself to a standard of grace, not perfection. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We serve a very good God. And I'm so grateful for his grace. I'm grateful I understand that it's him connecting with me just as I am and taking me where he wants me to go. I understand that I don't have to be perfect because I already possess the perfect one. But some people don't know that. Some people have never experienced a relationship with the God who loved even them with his life. But Jesus is calling. He's saying, there is room in my house for you. I've already done the work. There's nothing else to be done but for you to receive the free gift of salvation. You can't clean yourself up. 
Mm-mm. God is saying, but if you come to me, I'll make you complete. I'll make you whole. I'll give you the desires of your heart. And you'll spend eternity with me. There's some people here who goes, I know Jesus. I've received him. But somewhere along the line, I got so busy living life without him. I got busy pursuing and chasing the things that I thought would bring me happiness and joy. And I learned that perfection is a harsh taskmaster. And I want to come back to the sheepfold. I want to come back to my shepherd. I know he never left me. He's as close to you as your breath. And then there are people here who are saying, I'm there, I'm in a good place. But I recognize that power gift is important in my life. And you're saying, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues. It ain't deep and spooky, but it sure is mighty in its works. Yeah, it helps you witness to others, but it also helps you get a deeper revelation and understanding of the spirit world. And whether or not you know it, we are spirits. And then some of you might be saying, I really like this church. It's a place where I can connect and feel like family, where I can grow and I can serve. And I know if I have a need, there are people around me who will be there. So if you feel like linked up church is your church home, this is the time for that. So I'm going to ask right now if everyone would just close their eyes for a moment. I gave four invitations. The first one was for salvation. If that's you, if you know like you know that Jesus is God and you desire to have that relationship with him, that you can stop doing the heavy lifting and allow his grace to be a part of your life where you can spend eternity with God. If that's you and you want to make that decision today, lift up your hand. Jesus is calling. Or maybe you recognize, I'm not living my life for God anymore. I'm living my life for myself. He never threw me away. He's always there at the door knocking. Am I going to turn to him and let him in? You're saying, I want to rededicate. I want to come back and live my life fully for you, Lord. If that's you, you know you've been doing it your way too long. And you want to come in and come home and enter into the rest. Just lift your hand if that's you. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues, that's your power gift. And it's free. Just lift up your hand. And then lastly, if you know linked up church is the right church home for you and you want to become a member today, just lift up your hand. God loves you. 
truly loves you. I want to give one more opportunity. We recognize that not everybody feels comfortable getting up and coming forward. So we have something called a connection card. And if everybody can open their eyes and just look at me for a moment. I'm going to ask if you knew you should have been down here, but for whatever reason, you weren't comfortable coming. Fill out one of these cards in its entirety. Let us know your heart's desire. Salvation, rededication, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Complete that card, and when the offering bucket goes by, place it in there. And we commit to you that one of our ministers will reach out to you in the next 24 to 48 hours, and they will pray with you, share the Word of God with you as to your decision, and help you walk that out. Amen? Amen. Well, this was a believer's hour, and I want to praise God for it. Let's just lift up our hands and give Him the glory. God, You are good. You are faithful. You are awesome. You are mighty. And we just give You the glory and the honor and the praise for being God in our lives. We thank You for Your grace, Your mercy, Your love, Your outstretched arms towards us. We are forever grateful that you saved us, you delivered us, you set us free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is sweet liberty. We bask in your liberty this morning, Lord God. And we give you and you alone the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that is good.